This is Fessel Khan for Lights Out, proudly sponsored by Spartans Law. And this is podcast 53 of the Lights Out Boxing Podcast. Delighted to be joined by the MVP, the man that runs the camp, the... Do you know what? The, the, the main face of Lights Out. Pound for pound, number one. What, the pound for pound, number one, boxing... Well, you know, Lights Out, obviously. <laughs> you can call it wherever you want. Uh, do you know, I think we need to get a, a, a proper title regarding <laughs> what you are to Lights Out. But Brilliant. Welcome back, mate. Thank you. How you been? Good. You know what I've got to say? Go on. You're a lazy bastard. Okay. Because getting you in here is like trying to get my night to win trophies. But when it comes to doing oh, online recording... Oh, here we go. Oh, yeah, no problem. I'm doing recording. No, I'm only joking. I know you've obviously Brilliant. had a... Busy few months, but yeah, man, how you been? Everything All good, good, mate. All good. Let's go. Yeah. Um, before we get started, just want to remind you that if they haven't already, please make sure you hit that mm. subscribe button, like, share, and comment. Turn on the bell for further like that boxing notifications. If you want to check out this podcast on any of the audio platforms the links are going to be shared below in the description and if you want to know more about lights out check out our social media platforms the links are below in the description and if you want the best free legal advice check out our sponsors the best in the business spartans law the link for the website and their social medias are below in the platform um we've obviously got a Mm. Not that much to talk about current boxing news, but what we like to do with these podcasts mm. is is we like to sort of indulge in the past and sort of try and look back at what could have been in the boxing world. Um, today's podcast is going to be based on the biggest fights in British boxing that never happened. Mm. We could be here all day talking about them, but what we've decided to do is we've come out with three of the biggest fights in British boxing that we fought mm. as fans we were never given. Now... I can't unfortunately go back all the way to the 60s and the 70s because that's a long time before mm. my time. So we've kind of sort of like given a, a bit of a mix. So we've got the late 90s to sort of early 2000s and then the late 2000s and then this kind of era that we're in right now. And when you talk about British boxing, we're blessed where we are right now, aren't we? Mm. You know, with just how much talent it is in the British boxing world. And obviously you, like myself, have been a big boxing fan and before we sort of go into these fights do you have to say that this is currently the best era we've got in terms of British boxing absolutely I think we've got a lot of kind of potential world champions we've also got boxer that's come onto scene recently that's kind of like it gives them boxers another platform to kind of showcase their talents you know Queensbury we've got obviously the zone with you know with Eddie Earn so and then we've got the US as well but for the British boxing you know we're I mean look Fury and White. I mean, how many tickets did they sell? Ninety thousand. I mean, they broke ninety-four, and they broke records mm -hmm. for the biggest boxing match attendance. I think yeah, it was in, in Europe. Europe. So that was a fantastic milestone. So, and you know, we got to see some fights that you know we argued that yeah. happened far too late. Amir Khan versus Kell Brook. But you look but, back at that month in February, some of the British fights we got to see Taylor Catrell, Eubank Williams. Mm, it's been a, a fascinating time to be a British boxing fan. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, and we had two British heavyweights competing for the world title, you know, the WBC. So yeah, it's a great time to, to be a British boxing fan. Obviously, the the main topic of today is a, we're going to talk about the fights biggest that fights happen. that didn't happen and. You know, we, we could have easily have looked at the biggest fights all around the world of boxing, but there's just too many to choose mm. from now. I kind of feel with British boxing that we are at a point now where we're going to start getting these big fights. 
when look how long we had to wait for Khan versus Brook. That's out of the way. I, f I honestly think Khan and Brook has now paved the way for the rest of these big fights happen because we've seen what the build up was like. We've seen what the actual mm. fight like was like. You know, it was a phenomenal lead up to the fight, and I think mm. that's kind of right now going to make these fighters think. Right, you know what? We want a piece of that, mm. and I'm just I, I really do believe that the Khan Brook fight is going to now open the doors for the. The exhibition fights you know what i mean i can see a lot of exhibition no, no, fights a lot of fighters that yeah, hopefully khan and brook is going to open doors now for the fury versus joshua fight that we all want to see happen yeah. one day you know the anthony yard versus joshua buwatsi fight that we mm. hope is going to happen one day you know there's so many great domestic fights out there but we've got to talk about three of the fights we picked that we mm. never got to see three of the biggest fights in british uh boxing that never happened and the first one for me is is a no-brainer going to talk about Joe Calzaghi and Carl Froch. Now, on one side, you've got uh, Joe Calzaghi. Uh, for me, one of Britain's best ever. Undefeated, 46-0. And then you've got Nottingham's very own Carl Froch, who, I don't know if you knew this, fought in front of 80,000 at Wembley. You kid me? Kid you not? No, I'm, I'm not. No wow. bullshit. Mm. But, yeah, look. I mean, they, they, these fighters, you know, really did have great careers. Mm. You know, they, they can look back at their career with no regrets. Um, now, so Joe Calzaghi retired in 2008 um, At the time he was undefeated He was a ring magazine light heavyweight champion And Froch in that same year Had become the world champion for the first time after defeating John Pascal, he'd become super middleweight champion mm. But at that point after That's when Joe Calzaghi left the sport Now Joe Calzaghi debuted in 1993 Froch had debuted in 2003 We're going to discuss why We believe the main reasons as these, Why these fights never happened when you talk about Froch versus Calzaghi, I want you to kick it off for us. What do you feel was the number one reason why that fight never happened? Timing. I think they were both at different times of their careers. One was on the, on the ascendancy, the other one was coming descendancy. Um, they both had achieved, well, I mean, Calzaghi in particular, look, look what he had achieved at that point. He was undefeated, 43, unblemished record. Fought the likes of Bernard Hopkins and Roy Jones Jr. You know? Not a bad way to bow, is it? I mean, two of the all-time, you know, kind of greats in the U.S. You know, showstoppers, and he got those on his court. You know, you know, he got. It was a good fight as well. So you know, did what he had to do in the U.S. Made numbers, pay-per-view. So, I mean, why would he take a risk against a younger, up-and-coming? Was all, all, clearly his skills were going to get better and better. Uh, I think they may recognise, look, father time does catch up with every boxer. So Calzaghi was no different, so he probably realised that this is the best time. Got very little to gain. If he does, does win in that fight against uh, uh, Carl Froch, what does he gain out of that? Because there's levels, you know. I think Calzaghi was levels. He, he was in that pound-for-pound pound list. Let, you know, let's break it down. This was a up-and-coming who just won the world title uh, at that time. You know what, I've got what to agree with you. No, no, I have to agree with you on this. Mm. I just think um, one fighter was sort of at the, I wouldn't say the peak of his career, but sort of moving on to that next level, mm. i.e., you know, pound for pound sort of rankings. And then Calzaghi was obviously coming towards the end of his career. Um, Calzaghi, as you mentioned, his last two fights were Bernard Hopkins okay. and Roy Jones Jr. And in both of those fights, he was down in the first round. They were good fights as they well. Were, they, listen, they were I personally had him losing the one against Bernard Hopkins. Okay. I thought it was a very close fight, but I think uh -huh. Bernard Hopkins had done more. But 
Well, that's why we love boxing. It's eh? such a controversial <laughs> sport. But look, but, yeah. No. So I mean, that was kind of showing signs there that maybe. I, I don't. I don't think it was. I don't think it was down to the fact that it, obviously Kalzagi had been involved in the sport for such a long time. I just thought. I honestly think at the time Kalzagi looked at Froch right and thought. He's just won a world title. I'm at the back end of my career. What do I gain from winning exactly. this fight? Exactly. He doesn't really... I mean, he could have gone, gained a world title you know, on his last and, fight. And then and, he... another, and another thing is, you've got to remember, right, at that point, Calzaghi was at light heavyweight. Mm. Froch was at super middleweight. Now, for those who say to you it's not that much of a difference, just go watch Bivol versus Can- Canelo. Mm. you see the difference in there going up from... What do you reckon the catch weight would have been then? They would have thought that. Well... Again, you know, you've got to remember at the time when you talk, regardless of a catchweight, Carl Froch, yes, he just won his first world title, but would there have been a lot of money involved in that fight? Potentially not as much British, as... British, you know, I mean, someone who's got the right it, promoter to sell the fight. And would, I, would, would you really think it'd be fair to ask Calzaghi to go down in weight, especially at his age, he'd been in the sport yeah. for nearly 18 Does years. Does he want to put his body through that at exactly. that time of his... Yeah, I mean... I mean, Froch was uh, was desperate for it, wasn't he? He was, you know, shouting out for it. I don't mean desperate. Look, I mean, he he, he needed that fight to kind know, of break through. Do you know what it is? Honest, right? Even though we get these problems in boxing where fighters get compared to each other. Yeah, Ali will always get compared with Tyson. You know, it, it just happens. Mm. And I think, like, when you mention Joe Calzaghe, you have to mention Carl Froch as well. Mm. I don't. I've never really kind of got my head around that because, like I said, it was just for me. It was just a case of two fighters coming up at different times. You had a young and hungry Karl Froch who was looking to conquer the world in exactly what he did. And then you look at Joe Calzaghe, as I said, 1993 he debuted in. That's mm. a, you know, that's a long, long time well, ago. Let's be honest, look at who Joe Calzaghe was in the ring with, which we know, yeah, fires that he fought exactly. at a very early stage in his career. Exactly. So, 43 fights is no joke. Um, so, and to achieve what he has achieved and you know, walk away with his capacities intact you know fair play you know that, that's what you want to want in boxing win world titles and then leave the sport with money in your back pocket and you've got your you know your mental health and your physical mental health you know all intact so i i personally think that that's what, what would he have gained out of that i totally agree with well, you well i mean you know when i said to you uh you know when yesterday we was discussing a few things and i goes there was a scene from rocky Rocky Five mm. after Tommy Gunn wins his world title and then the Duke's trying to pump him up for that fight and the Duke's like yeah the old, old lion, lion versus and the young, young lion, lion. <laughs> and then, you know that that's you know that's where the the questions get raised you know has is Carl Froch the new sort of face of British boxing because at mm. that time in two thousand eight you'd had Amir Khan sort of coming through the ranks you know you had Tyson Fury he was just starting out his career you know David Hay was doing what he was doing but again we never really had that sort of that face where we looked at thinking, yeah, he's going to be the next face of British boxing. Because for many years, it was always Joe Calzaghe. Retired at 46-0, world champion in two different weights, beat some of the best fighters possible. Mm. That is a hard face to replace in boxing. You know, because you look after Joe Calzaghe, you know, we was asking the question, who's going to replace the the, the Nigel Benz and the Chris Eubank Juniors? It, these are faces that have never been replaced before. So I just think with that fight, right, I don't think one financially Carl Froch would have gained a lot, a lot out of it. Mm. Uh, yes, he had a world title at the time, but Joe Calzaghe had been in this game for so long. I want to ask. I want to throw something here. So we're we're, we're making this comparison that old line versus young line. That's 
does the does the old line want it want it at all? You know, that's it's it's a big risk at the end of the day. But you've got to give it to Carl Froch when he fought George Gross. Yeah. Very similar kind of kind of parallels there. Really. But when we when you talk about old line versus young line, you look at Chris Eubank Jr. who fought Joe Kazaji. He was not the same Chris Eubank Jr. Yeah. But because he was Chris Eubank Jr., he still mm. stepped into the ring and took on. You mean senior? Sorry, Chris Eubank senior. <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. <clears throat> my bad. So it, it can... Back to my point about we never got go to see the next Nigel Ben and the next Chris Eubank Senior, not the next Chris Eubank Junior. Apologies, <laughs> dear. But look... Yeah, but you I, see the point I'm making I now. Get, look, if I, you make that... Take that risk. I, I just uh, think... Look, Ron, I just think the, financially, yeah, I don't think it made sense to Joe Calzone. Yeah. And I'm not going to discredit him for it, for not taking the fight for a financial reason. I just think... You know, it's because he would have not made a lot of money from it. I probably mm. wasn't a big, big fight in the UK at the time. However, you know, Kalzaghi, I think he retired at the right time because, you know, you had a lot of up-and-coming fighters around those around those weights. You know, you had good, good fighters coming up at that time. You know, you had, like, the likes of the Martin Murrays who was coming around. You had George Groves, you know... Um, What's his name? Uh, you know, uh, Matthew Macklin, mm. the guy that he fought in that British classic, Jamie, not Jamie Moore. Jamie Moore. I, yeah. I think I, don't know, I still think Kazai would have beaten all these fighters, but you, you know they they say that boxing is more or less like a young man's game now, mm. which is why you see a lot of fighters sort of getting out of the sport early. And look, he fulfilled a, probably a childhood dream exactly. in fighting in the US. Roy Jones Jr., one of the greatest ever. Let's be honest, you know, pound for pound list all time. You can you can definitely put them in that. Bernard Hopkins, he, he ain't too shabby either. To have them two as one of your last fights on your record. And yeah, look, two two times I mean what is he two world titles he's won. So, you know, he's had an incredible career. But we won't know. Um, you know, what how would that have finished? The whole point of this podcast yeah. is we have to come to a conclusion oh, God, to why these fights never happened. Yeah. So I'm I think it's timing. I think that's that's. I think that's my opinion. I would say. Well, we had. Oh, I kind of shot myself in the foot. Yeah, I would say timing and money, but I think financially, I don't think it would have made sense to Calzaghi. I just don't. I think at that time, we never had enough faces in British boxing for that to be because you know from the the mid two thousands to two thousand ten, it was for me it was a bad time for British boxing. Mm. Yes, we had Amir Khan coming up. Yes, we had. Ricky Hatton sort of trying to conquer America. I just think it wasn't that. It boxing in Britain wasn't as thriving as it was ten years now, ten mm. years later. So I'm going to go down to the fact that it was based on money. I just don't think it would have generated enough fight, enough money for Joe Calzaghe. But let's move on because we picked three fights. That's one of them out of the way. Second one was a fight that should have happened but didn't happen. David Hay versus Tyson Fury. Now. The first fight was scheduled all the way back in 2013. Mm. They had a launch press conference, an unforgettable press conference. That's, for me, the kind of moment where Tyson Fury blew up on the scene. This is where we thought, okay, who is this young, cocky, arrogant kid? Because that's what people were thinking. And even he knows that. So David had just lost to Vladimir Klitschko. And he agreed to fight Tyson Fury. He was undefeated. I think he'd beaten Chisora at that point. I think he'd already held a British title. He was chasing the Vladimir Klitschko fight, but this is the fight that fans wanted to see. Again, kind of like old line versus young line. Questions are, were asked, is Tyson Fury ready for the next level? You know, what's David Hay got to offer after his 
bad performance against Vladimir Klitschko in what was regarded as the biggest fight of his life. And that press conference, my God, Tyson Fury wound up David Hay. Mm. He mentally and psychologically got in the guy's mind and he played mind games with him all the way from the start to the beginning. And it just wasn't that. If you remember, they had a little interview on the on ringside with John yes, Nelson. Yes, yes, yes. That and was Adam Smith. You can see the fireworks kind of setting off then as well. And it, it was... And listen, that was Tyson Fury at his best in terms of mind games. Now, the fight didn't happen. 19 days uh, before the fight, David Hay pulled out with an eye injury. So the fight got rescheduled for February 2014. And again, the fight got rescheduled because David Hay got an injury to his shoulder. And he was told by doctors that it was a career-threatening injury and they advised him to retire from the sport. So twice the fight got postponed. And in the build-up to those two fights, Tyson Fury on social media... With interviews, was constantly digging at David Hay. The fact that David Hay pulled out the fight the first time just wound Tyson even up more yeah, yeah. and made him fire more at David Hay. Now, yes, the fights did happen to injury, but <clears throat> the reason why I put this fight in the three that we've chosen, <clears throat> I think Tyson Fury beat David Hay before they even ever got to the ring, and I just thought David Hay fought. Now, do you know what? I can't deal with this. Not having this. What do you think? I mean, the psychology of how Fury defeats his opponents before stepping to the ring has has been a crucial part of his success as well. I'm not going to say it's all down to his antics outside the ring, be it being in a Batman costume, be it you know, kind of singing at the top of his voice. But this was the younger, you know, Tyson Fury. You know, the one that we're used to now is post. His mental health, you know, battle with mental health, you know, the wiser. This is unfiltered kind of Tyson Fury, you know. And I didn't know what to make of it, first of all. I, I thought, who is this guy? Because he was still kind of climbing the ranks. Um, and, you know, he put in some good performance. You know, Steve Cunningham, you know, the the uh, the, the build-up to that, if you remember. You know, him and... What's his name? The coach Raheem. Uh, no, 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 no. Oh God! You know the one of the most Nazim Richardson. Nazim Richards. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, and I and if you think back to David Hayes' previous loss, uh, the loss uh, he was coming, the fight he was coming back from, was a loss to Klitschko. And you know, and David Hay played the role of the villain. He didn't care. But he you did know. beat. De- but he did defeat Chisora after that. But yeah, no. No, no, no. But the point I'm making mm-hmm. that he played that role as a villain. So you're saying it's basically we've seen the different side to David Hay. Yeah, and I think in this, you know, and he, could David Hay was trying to put him on the back foot. Didn't work with Klitschko. Clearly, you know, uh, he was outclassed on the night and his home, you know, <laughs> <laughs> uh, let him down. So this was like the role reversal here. You got the younger man here. He's got nothing to lose. Just like, you know what? I want to make a name for myself. I just want to fight you. I want to get in that ring. And I I totally, you know, I, I do tend to agree with you that the mind games might have thought, I don't want this. You know, this is, uh, I'm going to have to fight two fights here. One, trying to beat you and trying to get the one over you in press conferences and that. And secondly, the fight itself, you know. Look, look at the, I mean, we'll talk about the physical aspects. It's completely different. But I, you know, I'm, I would have been fascinated to see how that fight would have planned out. Planned so out. You know, how would he have dealt with it? You know, we've seen David Hay with bigger fighters, as, and you know, Valuev yeah. and Klitschko, and you know, and he's come out with the same game plan. So, I mean, it was a massive shame for boxing, British boxing, that we didn't get to see that. Mm. You know, could have, you know, if Tyson Fury would have won that, 
just imagine what would have happened to his profile at that point in his life, you know. Then he would have got the Klitschko fight, mm. which we know he obviously went on to. But what would have to David Hay if he had won that fight? Exactly. You know, uh, back in world title contention for sure. Yeah, because he he did he ever get a world title shot after that, no, that he didn't. Klitschko loss? So the aim for him was always to come back and win a world title heavyweight after Klitschko. He spoke about it a lot, and he goes after the he goes in yeah. the middle of that fight. He goes, the aim is to reclaim the world heavyweight title. I mean, look, look to be fair with David Hay, his career was savaged by injuries. You know, towards the, towards the um, towards the latter part. You know, we saw against that Bellew fight as well. So you know, you know, I'm not going to say that the mind games completely did it, but his body was giving up on him. You know, he wasn't that same fighter that he was at cruiserweight when he was moving to heavyweight. You know, obviously, he's a smaller guy that's stepping into against bigger men. So, I think injuries just didn't help his career. I think we have to... So, I can't... I'm not going to just say he got scared no. mentally or, you know... Kind no, of... no, this we're going to have to disagree, man. We have to look at it this, this way, right? So, the second fight that got postponed, right, David A was told that it's... You're, you, we don't think you'll fight again. Your career's more or less over, okay? And... F what two years later he's fighting in exhibitions against Mark Demori and uh, I don't know bloody Joe Bloggs from uh, the Job Center or whatever. But one was Mark Demori, I can't remember. And then he's fighting Tony Bellew, who, to be honest with you, bloody was probably more ten times more worse than Tyson Fury was in the build-up to their fight. You know, Tony Bellew was got in his face, made him uncomfortable. You know, you seen David Hay punch, stroke, slap him. In one of the face-offs, I just, I just look. I just think at the time, right? Do you think he lost that fight I against Bellew he he yes. because of no, no, down the to the just, 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 just question. I just think he was finished physically, or do you yes. think he was beaten before he stepped into the ring? Yes, I said this when we were now we've done the build-up to those two fights. We done podcast after podcast, yeah, and, and revenge. And you got it right. You got it right both times. Though. Asked, did, did look at the injuries this guy's had. That shoulder, in, he is never going to be the same fighter again. He wasn't, you know, but there was so much you can patch it up, can't you? I just think at the time, right, Tyson Fury was a massive risk for David Hay because he just lost the the biggest fight of his career against Vladimir Klitschko and he blamed it on a broken toe that nobody knew about, right? And then he signs to fight Tyson Fury, who has got nothing to lose, who is being tipped as the next big thing in this division, mm -hmm, yeah. who was currently, I believe at that time, was probably number one or number two in Britain. Mm. David Hay went into that press conference, didn't know what to expect, and he got annihilated. He lost the press conference, which is what's going to happen to any fighter when they fight Tyson Fury. Okay, <laughs> yeah. it's just a given in boxing, yeah? yeah? Okay. And then I just think at the time, David Hay probably thought one, psychologically, he's beaten me. Two, I've got an injury. Three, if I do take this fight and I lose to this guy, that is me where done do with go, boxing. So he, he, then yeah. he took the stint from boxing. He come back and, you know, he had a few comeback fights. And then he got the two fights out of Tony Bellew. Then a few months ago, he's fighting his friend, Joe, Joe Forney, I believe his name. Yeah. So I think he's played it smart there because I just think Tyson Fury would have ended the guy. Completely ended him. And he would have never have come back. Would have ended his career prematurely. You know no, what I mean? Because, I mean, in terms of Ron. the value that he's got now, he look, I'm just saying, if he had lost that, that fight what against value, Fury... Ron, hold on, Ron. let me... Let me, okay. let me yeah. If he had lost to Tyson Fury at that point in his career, mm -hmm. his career to date wouldn't be as valuable as it is now. Yeah. He maintained some sort of dignity, you know, like not losing against this, you know, this young and up and coming, didn't give a shit, you know, said what arrogant, he wanted, which is arrogant, what, which is what he was. And, still you know, though. yeah, and he came, you know, but 
I, I can see the point that you're making that he made the thought if I lose this where do I go from there and you've got to remember right because boxing forgets man yeah. boxing 100%, has a short term memory 100% you, you've got to remember right like you know I've just put that point to you that like it was too mm. much of a risk for him okay and yeah he lost the first fight against Tony Bellew but many people were saying this because he picked up an injury yep. and I was like look you know you watch that fight again before the injury he's not he doesn't look like the old David Hay it looks like you know, father time has caught up with him. You know, mm. it, it, it doesn't. He was, he was just so off it in both fights, and I just thought at the time he fought. I don't think he ever got over the Klitschko defeat. That was a massive thing for him because he constantly claimed he was gonna. You know, when he was saying, "I'm gonna, I want both the Klitschko's heads," he had a T-shirt thing on it. You know, on that yeah. face-off he did with Max Kellerman and Vladimir Klitschko, and he was constantly talking about how he's gonna deliver Chelsea Football Club Stadium for that fight because he's a Chelsea fan. End up going to fight in Klitschko's backyard. He made a lot of promises which he didn't live up to. Hmm. And then one thing he did, right, and, and he, he took a lot of stick for this, obviously, was he pulled out of the fight twice. Now, yes, okay, maybe he did get an injury. We all know that he had a, but he's always had bad shoulder problems, okay? But the bottom line is, I just think Tyson Fury psychologically got in this guy's head so badly that he was a defeated man before the fight was supposed to happen. Hmm. And the one thing that annoys me about this is, right, is because I always wanted to see David Hay. All right, yes, he beat Chisora. We got to see that grudge match. But I always wanted to see Tyson Fury fight David Hay because I do believe at that time David Hay still had something to offer. Mm. And I do believe it would have probably been Tyson Fury's toughest test of his career. And it would have been good to see, but it didn't. Again, now we come to a conclusion on it. I'm strictly going by the fact that that fight never happened because David Hay did not want any of Tyson Fury because of what Tyson Fury had done him in the build-up to that fight, which included the press conference and, of course, their sort of inside interview with Sky Sports, Adam Smith and Johnny Nelson. I'm going to factor that in as well because I think from hearing your argument that you're very, you make a very compelling point that the warfare, the psychological warfare prior to the actual fight itself would have taken his toll on him. But I think Tyson, um, sorry, David Hayes' body was just giving up on him. Mm -hmm. that, I think that's something that we cannot deny. He had, he's had, had countless number of surges, shoulder surgeries and whatnot. And secondly, if he did lose that fight, where does he go from there? You know, what and, I mean? then, and you know his value doesn't remain year, to years, what it is to what it's maintained to today. Later, those comeback fights have no value. Those mm -hmm. fights with Tony Billy have no value. I just like, think he played it smart. He took he a break. He did, from the and you know, and he's not done bad for himself. He got into a few exhibition fights, made a couple. Well, couple then you need to remember after that he was he was promoting his own fights on uh, Channel Five. Yeah, the yeah, likes of yeah. Michael Venom Page, and he was managing Linus Adolfia. Then obviously the two fights with Billy, and then he's managed Chisora, and he's mm. he's still he's still about in boxing. He's still relevant in boxing. And John Fury wants to fight him next. Oh. And he's... <laughs> oh, Tyson... David Hay always bets against Tyson Fury whenever he does a prediction for BT Sports. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. That's, it, that's always been that needle, has it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, John Fury said he's not going to be anywhere near the ring. Mm -hmm. I think he made that kind of... Which is why <laughs> the BT Sport uh, set-up for the Fury-White fight was far, far away from uh, the ring. It was kind of like, I don't know, near the goalkeepers, yeah. where the um, goalkeepers... <laughs> Uh, place, yeah. but again, I look. I'm pointing down to the fact that I just think he didn't want any part of Tyson Fury. I think you you make a valid point there. I could see what you're saying, and I could see that being linked to if he had lost that, what then? Mm -hmm. At that point in his career, because he'd lost the biggest fight in his 
you know, his world opportunity to uh, against Klitschko, who was, you know, I remember Hay was making out, I'm here to save boxing, you know, yeah. you guys are boring, and it was all boring. the insults in the world. And uh, it wasn't meant to be, you know, his toe didn't, you know, allow him to become victorious that night. But then we did get to see a good build up with the Chizuru fight and the whole, he clasped me and I'm going to physically. Yeah, and I enjoyed know. the belly fights as well, you know, maybe it was a few years. I, I didn't. I did not Too enjoy late. those fights. I think I love the build-up. Come on, the build-up build up I love. Gray, and then if look, 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 revenge or repeat. Regardless of what your opinion of David Hay is, we have to remember he is a former two-weight world champion. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. he was a great fighter, but it wasn't nice seeing him in, especially that second fight with Tony Belly. You could just tell that this guy see, was his his kind of body was yeah. kind of like giving up on him. Yeah, exactly. Uh, all right, all right, okay, okay. Well, that's fight number two, anyway. Fight number three is where we're going to get a lot of controversial, I think. Lot of con uh, a lot of controversy, um, and obviously that is Ricky Hatton and Junior Witter. Now we Witter kind of, hitter. yes, we kind of nearly got the same sort of experience with Khan versus Brook. But as we said at the start of the podcast, we've seen Khan versus Brook. You know, they mm. gave the British fans what they wanted. Okay, could they have done it five, six years ago? Yeah, of course they could have. But would we have rather seen it than not seen it at all? So we've seen it in the end. It's mm. happened, but this fight didn't happen. And these two were kind of similar to Khan and Brook at the time, if you think about mm. it. Both two of Britain's biggest faces in the sports. Both had been world champions, especially... Yeah, yeah I can see the parallels, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Mm. It's kind of, these were very similar to the Khan and Brook saga. And there's, obviously, they both came up at the same time. They both have been mentioned during amateurs. It was tipped to be... Who was um, the promoter for Hit the Whistle? So, at the, mo at the time, I, Frank Warren was looking after Ricky Hatton. And I think Junior Witter's was kind of like, it was more like how Dillian White's is with match with his sword. Like a, I, I just think it was kind of like a fight-by-fight fight deal with Frank Warren. But um, he obviously lost his big fight to Zab Judah, um, Junior Witter. And then he had five fights after that. And he won everyone by KO. And um, after the, the fifth victory in a row after the Zab Judah defeat, they called Ricky Hatton over in an interview, and uh, I believe it was Adam Smith who was doing the interview. And Adam asked him, listen, what's the reason why this fight's not happened at the moment, and is it going to happen? And Ricky Hatton goes, he doesn't sell enough tickets. Um, he bores me watching him as a fighter. He's been boring, but his performances... Like they yeah, his performances lately have not really impressed me, but you know, the last one or two, okay, they, you can see there is something there. And it just dragged and dragged after that. And then obviously Ricky Hatton went on and did what he did in 2005 and was at the pinnacle of his career mm. after beating Costa Zou in that hell of a hellacious oh, fight in Manchester. But the fight never happened. Um, I remember during lockdown, I interviewed Junior Witter and um, I spoke to him about the Ricky Hatton fight. And he goes, the reason why Ricky Hatton never fought me is because he fought of every excuse not to fight me. I just think when we look at this one, the main focus point here is I don't think Ricky Hatton saw Junior Witt as a bigger draw than Junior for years. I'd agree. Get your thoughts on it. Totally agree with that. And I think, I think promotion. You know, in terms of promotion, Hatton's promotion was excellent. You know, look, well, look, he had look. a solid fan base. Yeah, solid fan base, very passionate fan base. You know, that just remember when he used to come out, Blue Moon. You know, those amazing nights in Manchester. You know. The build-up to Mayweather. The build-up to Mayweather, Pacquiao. You know, he, he fought the best. And Junior Witter, it just didn't really take off for him. You know, he, 
he had that fight, like that fight you said about with um, Zam Judah, and he, you know, and I think that was it. I think I, I have to totally agree with Hatton that he, you know, what do I get out of kind of fighting you? Because Ricky Hatton was on a massive trajectory, you know, and um, Junior were hit Junior Witter's uh, trajectory was a lot slower and a lot not as gradual, you know, not as kind of high as. Ricky Hatton's, I think. Mm. So they just didn't, he didn't think he was worth it. You know, it's like an un- unnecessary unnes- risk to take. Yeah, it would have been a good fight, but it's not going to sell tickets. It's not going to gain as much attention as a Pacquiao fight would or, a, you know, the big names that he was fighting. So it's a shame. More risk, sort of more risk, less reward, right? And that's it. I mean, that, I think that's that was my thinking. Like, you know, what did he bring to the table? Has he got a title? Has he got... Yeah, I, I think that I think with this fight you have to base it on the fact that Hatton was the main, was the A side. You know, when you look at Khan and Brooke, Khan was always the, the celebrity sort of face, conquered America, been on, you know, um been on live T V, reality T V, yeah. you know, sort of had this like public image look about yeah. him with the um his wife Ariel. I don't think Junior Witter sort of had that. I don't think he had that public appeal. And this is not me disrespecting Junior Witter. I thought he was a very, very good fighter. I've interviewed him enough times. And I don't want to sound like I'm being disrespectful. He didn't get the same he, level he of recognition. He didn't get that recognition. And I just uh, think, totally so agree. This is what winds me up about our sport, right? Okay. You know, promoters, listen, they are entitled to make money in this sport, okay? I don't disagree with that. But when you're promoting a fight, me personally, right, if, if I'm a promoter, I'm looking at this fight and I'm thinking to myself, these guys are fighting, they're making me money, but the, the, they're risking more than I'm risking. These guys could be potentially going in there and they could be seriously harming each other in this fight. So what can I do to sort of make sure that, you know, I've given these guys something to be thankful for, mm. i.e. I can promote these guys better. And we all saw the promotion for Fury versus White was shit. It was shit, Ron. Especially for Dillian White. Now, mm. the eye is a... His own reasons as to not getting involved. I thought that maybe Frank Warren could have done more. I honestly think looking what could at what you do with one with, with one this, arm tied behind your back. That's what he was. That's what he was dealing where, with. Yeah, but this is where you need two to tango, man. He can't have a press conference as good as Tyson Fury is. Sorry. Yeah, but, but what is, more could have you know, yeah, Frank Warren we, done? I mean, I, I sorry. I, but this is where we ha- where where these like this is why I love I love what Eddie Hearn does in the game, man. I mean, Eddie Hearn, right? Okay. He'll promote a fucking tangerine if he, if he has to. The guy is so good at what he does. You know, he, I, I go to press conferences regularly, yeah? And he will constantly talk about the guy that's 2-0 and or 3-0 and or the guy that's just won two fights, lost two fights in a row. And he'll speak to every media outlet. Because why? Because he wants to promote his shows. He's that passionate about it. He's willing to stay behind the extra two, three hours. And I just think that, don't get me wrong, massive respect for Frank Warren. You know, love what he's done in the sport. But I just don't think... He has that young. He hasn't got that sort of that push that these younger promoters have got right now. I think what I was going to say, we're talking about Tyson and that Gillian White. What was that undercard all about? I mean, like that was a very, very poor undercard, it's, considering it, it, we had a headliner yeah, or such. It was, it was bad. Um, it was bad. But so, but they, then they were saying if Matchroom had done the same, the no, done the they same. wouldn't have. They wouldn't have. Look. They yeah. Wouldn't have. So, I mean, but, but back back to this Witter and Hatton. Yeah, I just think that maybe. 
Frank Warren could have sort of took the the light off of Ricky Hatton a bit and said, no, do you know what? This guy is a former world champion. He put up a gutsy performance against Zab Judo, who was considered a very good fighter at the time. He'd won British titles. He'd won European titles. He'd won five fights in a row after Zab Mm -hmm. Judo. You know, and as I said, at that period... Could have sold that and promoted that and said, listen, listen. Manchester or, you know, anywhere. I think Hatton was frying bigger fish. That was the reality. Yeah, but Ron, you, you <laughs> but wanna... that was it, really. Um, yeah, he would have benefited him. Mm. Was, you know, I mean, talking about Frank Warren here, but it just sadly didn't happen that way for it whatever reason. Maybe they didn't see as much attraction, or it's going to be a money puller. Uh, like you said, John, you know, Junior Witter was didn't get that same level of he recognition. Didn't. You know, he he travelled. I mean, how you know. Um, you know, solid, solid fighter. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, European, we, British titles. T- Tony Bellew done an interview the other day with uh, Eiffel TV, shout out to Eiffel TV, and um, um, they asked him a question about his thoughts on Fury retiring, and he goes, no chance Fury retires, because the fight with Anthony Joshua is too good to turn down, even if whatever happens with Usyk, he goes, the, the, the fight with Tyson Fury and Anthony Joshua has to happen. And he goes, we don't want another junior winner versus Ricky Hatton situation. Mm. So you look at that fight between Hatton and that potential fight we could have got. It was regarded as a big fight at the time. They were both world champions. Uh, they both conquered Britain. They both won European. They were both at the top of their game. But I just think um, with Ricky Hatton's world title win, that sort of pushed him up mm. to another level in his career. You know, Colazzo and Castillo and the fights with Mayweather and Pacquiao because he had that sort of appeal about him. I just don't think, unfortunately, Junior Witter had that appeal about him to the mm. British public and potentially the, the fans in America. And I just think that's why the fight never happened. I don't think Ricky Hatton ducked him. I just thought Ricky Hatton at the time thought, no, nah, it doesn't generate enough money for me and this guy is not on my level. But had the fight with Amir Khan not happened... Amir Khan in Kelbrook and the reason Amir Khan was given is he's not on my level you know what does he bring to the table what mm-hmm. what names does he bring onto the table people would have been saying that Amir Khan ducked Kelbrook so are we right to turn around and say Ricky Hatton ducked Junior Witter what's what's your overall take on it what what conclusion do you give as to why we never saw Hatton versus Witter I don't think he ducked him I just think he didn't see that value in that fight you know you talk about revenue how much would they have made do people really want it I stand by that I think Ricky Hatton was fine bigger fish. Like the names that you mentioned, like the great resume he had on his record. And, you know, and he's financially done really well for himself with those big fights towards the end of his career in the US. Uh, he was loved. He was a British icon, wasn't he? Boxing icon, you know, loved by Manchester. And junior witter for some for, for whatever reason wasn't promoted in the same way didn't get that same kind of exposure you know he was kind of fighting in you know kind of these kind of un just they don't get that same recognition like these european titles these british titles you know they don't get the same recognition as a fight at the madison square garden or las vegas kind of fight that um that hatton was kind of selling out where he was fighting you know and the following that he had do you remember against mayweather Oof. How could you forget about the build-up to the Floyd Mayweather-Ricky yeah. Ann fight? Um, yeah. And this is it again, you know, um, people want to like to follow the guy who's, you know, they feel as if mm. can be the face of the sport, you know, who they have that appeal, who, who gives them that sort of appeal. And I just think, unfortunately, 
junior wit and never got that. And it's kind of, for me, that's kind of strange because obviously when you look at his background, he came from the, the iconic English gym. And you look at most of the fighters that have come from that gym. Oh, they've all... Nazim Hamid, yeah. Johnny Nelson, you know, Errol Graham. Kel Brook. Kel Brook. You know, all these great... And they've had great following. Mm. They've had a great fan base. Nazim Hamid had an, an unbelievable fan base. Okay, let me ask you a question. So... He had the right set of team behind him at the Ingle Gym you, you speak very highly of. What if he was a fighter in today's generation right now? Do you reckon he would do you reckon it would still play out the same way for no, him? I think he'd be a lot bigger. A lot bigger. Because so if he was with let's say a boxer or I think he'd be a lot bigger than he is right now because you've got to remember we're come we're at a time right now where British boxing is thriving at the moment. Yeah. Especially with all the good talent we've got on our hands. And the good stables that they've exactly. I mean, uh, boxers are just it's like it came out yesterday and, and who they've signed exactly. up. Exactly. And they're looking to build up their roster as well. That's yeah, what really, a new journey. But I, yeah. I think so, that, I mean, I think... Wrong gear at the wrong time. That's what I think it probably was because he just he never got that love that Ricky Hatton got. And there's, listen, there's no harm in that. We, as fans, have a right to choose who we like to support and who we don't like to support, mm. you know. If we if everybody supported the same guy, it wouldn't be fun. No. So I just think um, if he was around today, Junior, we, oh, I reckon yeah, yes, exactly. he would because he would have got more exposure. He would have got the bigger fights. Social media is a big thing. Absolutely. So I just think that there was not enough room at the table. I think that's what they probably said. It really surprises me. Frank Warren never made that fight. Do you know what? We another point I want to make. Right, you look at every promoter that tried making Khan versus Brook, they never did it. Who did it? Ben Shalom. Ben Shalom. And he's yeah. been in the game five minutes. Yeah. Incredible. And you look at some of the cards he's already already delivered in his breakout mm. year. Eubank Williams grudge match. Catrill versus Taylor, which has caused so much controversy after the final. Yeah, 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 yeah. But look look who looks good in that. It's him. And then ben he's, Shalom, he's, yeah. he's he's gonna get Clarissa Shields versus Savannah Marshall. We're hopefully going to get Huey Fury, Fury versus Michael Hunter. I like that. We've got the Azim yeah. brothers coming up. You know, Ben Whitaker signed with them. Mm. The, you know, the Olympic silver medalist. Natasha Jonas is a world champion now. They've got um, Fraser Clark. They've got Caroline Dubois. Back to the point we were talking about, Ben, Chal ben Chalom, is I think the promoter plays a huge part in this as well. Mm. You know, because it, whatever you, anyone's opinion on Ben Chalom is, he delivered Khan versus Brook, the fight that we were calling for for years. Mm. So maybe Frank Warren could have done a lot better in this. I mean, you, I mean, you were initially sceptical about someone like Ben Shalom coming into. I was worried for him. Because I was worried you were just for him. like, oh, boxing's not in a good place. But I think it's made these other two promoters kind of jump a little bit. Can I, we need to. Can I just say, I've got Sky Sports and Boxers as the number one uh, uh, boxing uh, really? platform in, in the UK right now. Wow. 100%. Boxers number one. For me, boxing Sky Sports is number one right now. Go look at the shows they've been putting on. Go look at how good the two uh, boxer tournaments have been. Number two? Who would you pick? Queensbury Ma or Matron? Number three is Queensbury. Yeah. I'd, uh, I mean, you have to look back at the... One uh, and two I would debate. I would, you know, but, but yeah, boxer's done fantastic. Conclusion. Why did it not happen Hatton versus Witter? I'm going by the fact that Ricky Hatton never saw Junior Witt as a big enough name. I'm sticking to... Yeah, that too as well. Uh, but I think he was just frying bigger fish, making more money, fighting fighters, fights that would get him more recognition. Mm -hmm. As good as Junior Witter was, he's a hard-working fighter, but just 
you know, despite that, it's like, okay, he didn't get that fight, but what other fights, you know, can he get really recognised for? Not many, you know, boxing fans, your average boxing fan wouldn't be able to tell you. Mm. You know, you'd really have to research his record. Yes, he had that fight with Sab Judah. Unfortunately, it didn't work out for him. But if you look at his rest of his career, you know, he had 12 defeats at the end of it all. So it kind of... I think he carried on more than he should have. I think, yeah. I think you know, he let boxing give up on him. But let's, let's, let's keep one thing in my mind. Someone's making a comeback right now. <laughs> Ricky Hatton is making a comeback no against chance. Antonio Barrera. Absolutely you, no chance. And no. Junior Witter, I'm sure he's involved in Junior boxing. Junior Witter uh, runs, <laughs> runs a gym in Sheffield Wait, now. look, he's... No, 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 no. But look, I wouldn't rule no, it out. Because, no, 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 I'm not, I wouldn't rule it out. If they said, right, let's have it, they get that longer awaited fight, mark my word, mate. That's, you know, if that comes through, you're going you're gonna to pay out. You're going to be like thinking, shit, I should have placed a bet on that. I could see that happening. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Well, if you've got hope that that fight still could happen, then you're a very, very hopeful person. But I just think Ricky Hans just fancies one last little dance around the lights with Marco Antonio Barrera. But no, I don't think we'll see Han versus Junior Witter too late. Um, okay, right. So let's. We, we, we've summed up the three British fights, the biggest fights in British boxing that never happened. Rank them in order for me. You've got Froch Kalzagi. Fury, Hay, Han, Witter, one to three. One being the one that we're most disappointed didn't happen. The most disappointed with. What do you think was the biggest out of the three? Oh, the biggest one fight not to happen. What's the biggest fight in British boxing that never happened? David Hay, Tyson Fury. Um, yeah, Tyson Fury. Really? Yeah. I just think that could have changed their past so completely. Imagine yeah. Fury lost. Just imagine Fury lost. You know, what would have happened to him as a result of his career? Imagine Hay lost and he retired after that. What would that have meant for Tony Bellew? So many ifs and buts. You know what I mean? It changes the landscape of the boxing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it just completely... Okay. Um, I think... Yeah, because Tyson Fury, I was just thinking, oh, he's just loud. He's just trying to be a wannabe kind of Muhammad Ali kind of, kind of character. But mm-hmm. little did we know this guy is going to be such a charismatic figure in boxing. You know, he's... But he's given us some unforgettable kind of moments in boxing. I just, I just hope that would have been that would have a great fight. I reckon okay. I would have enjoyed that. Number two. I'll let you pick this one. What do you think is number two? Hatton Witter. Oh no, no. Do you agree with my number one, or do you think? No, you always gonna choose number one. No, no. no but no, no. no, 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 no do you agree yeah, with that? Did you? Sorry. I would have personally put Hatton Witter at number one. Okay. I would have put. I would have put Hay Fury at number two. No, sorry. I would have put Kalzagi Froch at number two and Hay Fury at number three. Because, okay, we didn't get to see the fight, but we got to see like a press conference. We had sort of like a, a taster of what... But getting, I know it's not the same thing. It's just thing, like getting teased by a girl, you know yeah, what I mean? It's just like... <laughs> never happened to me, by the way. But it's just like, we, you know, we, we're never going to see Carl Foch and Joe Calzaghi sat on the table yeah. talking about a potential fight. We're never going to get to see... Um, see, that's what made that even more fascinating that, because that it was on the cusp of happening. It's kind of give, sort of raised Fury's profile a little bit. Yeah. It, it did. Did yeah. the whole mind games in the press conference? Absolutely, it kind of brought him a lot of attention. You know, like who's this guy? Look at him, and you know he was, con- you know, continuing his kind of like trajectory up towards being kind of this high, like heavyweight contender. And so number one, you've gone with Fury, hey? Definitely. Num- number two, I'm going to go with Hatton versus Witter. Hatton versus Witter. Can we agree on number three being number three? Froch Kalzagi. Yes, I think. 
out of the three, that just le looked least likely to happen. Yes, I agree. Uh, because there was a possibility of his Hay Fury, uh, sorry, Hay and Fury. He's, obviously, they had a press conference, they had two dates that were cancelled. With Hatton and Witter, they were active at the same kind of time. They were champions. They were, you know, British kind of domestic rivals, but it just didn't happen. Third one, which we've already said, that Father Time kind of was not in in line for it them wasn't. to meet in the ring. And, but, yeah, I think I'd agree with that. That would be one, it's two, It's a shame three. for British boxing, though, because they would have been great fights to watch. Would have been. Would have been, yeah. But I think he didn't want to risk it, Kalsagi. He was just like, look, I've got the best two names on my record. Mm -hmm. You know, what's, you know, Cal, you know, what's Frock can add to that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, less, uh, obviously, you'd have to look at it. Um, more reward, more, more risk, less reward mm -hmm. is what I'd have to label it. Okay, so that's one, two, three. Guys, we'd love to know your thoughts in the comment section. Mm -hmm. Are there fights out there that you would have liked us to have mentioned, you know, give us some of your thoughts as well as fights, British fights that have never happened that you thought should have happened at Can the I time. Can I name one that yeah, it's not British, but it should have happened? Riddick Bowe and Lennox Lewis. Lennox Lewis, yeah, but it's not British. Though. I know, but, but that's yes. that's that's the fight. That was I'm our first ever podcast, on. by the way, guys. If you ever want to, if you want to watch our first ever Lights Out podcast, yeah. jump on that. Another fight I would have liked to have seen: Billy Joe Saunders versus George Groves. Yeah, yeah, yeah you were I, saying I, that. Yeah, because I remember when uh, we I started off Lights Out. My first ever interview was with Frank Warren. At that time, Billy okay. Joe Saunders was meant to fight. Uh, was meant to fight Martin Murray, and then George Groves was in the, uh, the 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 tournament that the Sowlands do, and he sort of mentioned about it, and I was kind of warm into it. And he goes, "It is a fight that we would like to have, but it never happened." But one, few. one one British, one American. Yes. Amir Khan was his Mayweather. Why would you want to watch that for? Mayweather would have. Because okay. there was a lot of noise coming from Amir Khan. I'm too fast. I'm too. He doesn't. Yeah. He doesn't <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah. Khan versus, the same thing. Amir, Amir Khan versus Pacquiao. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I would have liked to see Amir Khan versus Pacquiao. Yeah. Yeah, but Mayweather would have completely annihilated him. Anyway, okay. we'll talk a bit about the action on the weekend um, at the O2 Arena. We had another, um, again, same topic mm. British domestic dust up because uh, Josh Bawatsi beat. Craig, Craig Richards, Richards yeah. via a points decision. Mm. Uh, thoughts on the fight? Yeah, I think he did what he had to do. It wasn't all that eventful. You know, I think it was a very tight fight. Mm -hmm. Some really close rounds. I think Boatsy just done enough, you know, and it was a credible win on his record. So, you know, Craig Richards has been with some really good fighters, Bivol being one, and, you know, he did his... his uh, Record no, you know, no harm, oh, you know, because yeah. he he gave a really good account of himself. But I I, I agreed with the decision. I thought Braxy put in the better work, landed the cleaner punches, had the better accuracy. Um, and I think this is going to set him up really well for the future. You know, he wants those world title fights. I mean, this is like a nice stepping stone, yeah. a, a good. Yeah, I mean, I, I, first things first. Uh... A lot of people were saying it was a great fight. I would say it was a decent fight. I wouldn't say it was like. I, would, a, I mean, Eddie uh, Hand said a potential rematch, and I wouldn't say it was no. an amazing I, fight. I, 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 thought, I thought it was a decent fight. I thought it was a, it was yeah. a good fight. I just, I thought, you know, yeah. it was, a, it was a decent fight. You know, um, hats off to Josh Bowatsi. It was a, a big step up for him because Craig Richards, a former British champion, gave an incredible performance and account of himself against Bivol. So it was always a big ask for mm. Josh Bowatsi. Having said that, 
you said before the fight, you know, what does he need to do? And then you also said that you'd like to see Boatsy make a statement tonight. Mm. And I do think there's a, a few points during that fight he could have potentially got a knockout. But Craig Richards, you know, is a stubborn yeah, fighter. He's got, good, he's got, good, he's got good chin. Yeah. He's a good fighter as well. So it's, nothing, it's not like, oh, he didn't knock him out. Fine. He got the points win. Maybe those rounds will do him good exactly. in the future when he's but fighting someone rounds. who doesn't get knocked over. But that's but, not Boatsy's style. He's not a... This, this division right now, there's a lot of... Um, What's the word? A lot of people got the iron it now because of what happened with Bivol and Canelo. Mm. But we don't know what's going to happen whether Canelo will fight Bivol again or does he fight at what weight? Well, yeah. At what weight? Yeah. But what do you think's next for Joshua Boatsy? Because when we talk about Joshua Boatsy, one name comes up quite a few times is Anthony Yard. Mm. Is that the next fight, or do you think Joshua Boatsy should perhaps take a slight risk? And look at the, the Bivols and the, perhaps the winner of the Joe Smith Jr. and Arta Beer fight. Arta Beer fight. What, what, what is the next move? Because and don't forget, there's also this Callum Smith out there as well. There's, there's Lyndon Arthur out there. There's still good names, British domestic wise, but mm. is now the right time that he makes that step up to, I'd like to, to the world level? I'd like to see that fight in the yard, I think. Um, and apparently, I don't know if you heard this it's interview. Coming a bit, coming a bit. I don't know if you heard that interview with. Um, uh, what's yeah. his name? Eddie Hearn. Eddie Hearn when he oh, said, I, I offered him one million pounds to take that fight. <laughs> and instead he goes, I'm, I'm going to fight the fight of the winner of, was it Paterbiev and Benavides? Joe, no, Joe Smith Jr. Joe Smith Jr. So, had a fight. And apparently, point, the fight was even, it has been announced now. It's been announced now. So, he goes, what are you going to do in the interim? You know, they're going to fight in July. When when's the, has the fight been agreed yet? Yeah. I believe it is July. Yeah, July. July August, yeah. So the earliest that you can fight, fight him is in December. Mm-hmm. Yeah? Because obviously time off after you've had a fight. So what's he going to do? In the, you know, I think that would have been a great opportunity for him to take that fight with Boatsy. Comes off on the winner. You know, whoever wins that, they fight the winner. You know what I mean? That would have, been, that would have set him up really well, I think. You know, we spoke about David Hay and um, Tyson Fury. Mm. Um... High risk, less reward. For who? It's for Anthony Yard for that fight for Josh Boatsy because he's lost twice. And if he loses to Boatsy, mm. he does not get close to a world title. Because he's brought himself fight. back in recognition he has that win, win against, against Lyndon Arthur. Arthur. I totally agree. And he but won that in great but fashion. I don't well. think I don't think there's that's a bad move for Anthony Yard. If he is this close if his next fight is for a world title, there's no harm in you know, sort of staying holding tight and waiting for that fight to happen. However, I do think Frank Warren needs to keep him busy. I do think he needs to fight before that because his last fight was what? It was November, that fight now? We're in May. Mm. It's what? It's too much of a gap. He's, you know... He's six months out of the ring. That's a problem with Anthony Yard recently. He's not been fighting as regularly as we'd like. You know? and But that's the opposite with um, Guatsi. You know, he's fighting, you know... You know he's he's getting them out regularly, isn't he, Eddie? And so, so that could be ring rust. You know, I don't know what he's hoping to do. Is he going to fight, not fight for a year, and then fight? That's not ideal kind of fight for your biggest fight of your career. Mm-hmm. So, I think if the if he's got his head right, he he will pick up a fight now just to tick him over. I, I don't think, think the fight with Jordan happened because one he was supposed to be on the undercard of. Fury and White, wasn't he? Well, there was rumours and then obviously the, um, from what I'm hearing, most of the money 
before that fight went to Tyson Fury and Dillian White and they never had a lot of funds to put on a, a better undercard. But according to Frank Warren, he thought the undercard seemed pretty pretty good. Mm. A lot of us didn't think it was a pay-per-view worthy undercard. I mean, if you compare that undercard to Joshua versus Usyk, I believe on the Joshua Usyk undercard, you had Callum Smith debuting at light heavyweight and you had Lawrence O'Coley defend his um, world mm. title. And I think Campbell Hatton fought on that. And that, that, that is a, that's an undercard. Mm. You know, I mean, you look back at, who was it? Um... Fury, you look at Joshua versus White, Chris Hubert Jr. and Tony Bellew were on the undercard. That's an undercard. Mm. Um, but having said that, back to the point about Boatsy, I don't think the fight with Lyndon Arthur will happen anytime soon because both have different rival promotions, Frank Warren and Eddie Hearn. I would like to see the fight with Callum Smith mm. because we need to see Callum Smith tested at this weight. I think it's a massive risk if he was to step up against one of the world champions without being tested at the weight. And I just and I would like to see Josh Bowatsi and Callum Smith. And Callum, and I and I just think that would look so good on his C V if he beats Callum Smith, former yeah. world champion at super middleweight, Muhammad yeah. Ali trophy winner. And he's the more experienced fighter. And Callum Smith has only lost once in his record. Against probably yeah. one of the best fighters in the P world. For P, yeah. Exactly. So you um, want to put him in with Boatsy? I'm uh, telling you now, Josh Boatsy fights uh, you, re- you, you think he beats... If he beats Callum Smith... I don't... I can't... I can't say he beats a big ask. Him, yeah. He's not harm in losing that fight, but if he beats Callum Smith, former world champion, former Mohamed Ali Trophy winner, this guy's... I just think it's a bit step too far for him, I think. No. I think he needs another fight in him to... No, no, no. Wow, yeah. This is where you're all over the gaff, Ron. If you're going to put him in with a better be ever a Joe Smith Jr. or Bivol... Why don't put, why don't you put mm. him with Callum Smith? Because Callum Smith's on their kind of that kind of level. You know He's on the yeah. same promotion. Yeah, that it's fight a big ask. It's a big, it's a big. No, it's a big. It's a big fight. I think, I, I I would favour Callum Smith winning that fight. Yeah, yeah. Then there's yeah. No that's harm it. In that. That's it. I, uh, I think it's just a dangerous fight for him. I think that's it. Yeah. yeah. If you think the fight with Callum Smith is dangerous, yeah. Imagine how more dangerous the fights are with the other with the three world champions in that division as. You know, we saw what mm. Bivol, Bivol done to Canelo. Better Biev is a, a machine, mm. okay? He's got punching power, like, on another level, okay? Joe Smith Jr. is a good fighter, yeah? I just think right now that the right fight for me I'd make, Boatsy versus Callum Smith, I'd love to see that fight. It's a good fight. I'd definitely watch it. Um, is it a paper... No, it's not a pay-per-view. A pay-per-view fight? Absolutely no. not. No? not okay, good. I'm glad. But it is that. an O2 Arena, maybe Manchester Arena for mm. fight with a half-decent on the card. Mm. Uh, before we bring the podcast to an end, let's just talk about a couple of rumours. Um, Shizora versus Kowanaki. Do you like it? Well, we, we've always said in the show, I mean, where is Shizora going? Is he just going to give these you know, fighters a money? <laughs> That's what he does. He glassed me. Uh, I mean, Kawanaki is coming off a defeat, doesn't he, himself? Yeah. So, this is another way for him to get a good record name on his record as well. So, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't stay up and watch it late. Where is it happening in the UK? It's in the UK. But it's in July, right? I think there I saw there was something on Instagram where he was signing. Rec- okay, that yeah. must have been it. Okay, good fight. You know, keeps uh, Chizora still relevant in boxing. Martin Bacoli's win over Tony Yoko. Did you see it coming? Yeah. No, I didn't see that Great coming. Unbelievable. Uh, and he dropped him as well. Was yeah. it twice or once or twice? Once. In that? Yeah, he, he looked like Bambi, you know. And yeah, didn't see that coming. You know, there's supposed to be big, big hope from France. 
European fire coming through. But kind of like PSG didn't. Isn't yeah. It? <laughs> <laughs> uh, ben Davidson come out and said that Josh Taylor's number one preferred fight is the rematch with Jack Cattrall because of what went on in that fight. Is he not fighting Zapeda? Well, the WBA that was the... ordered a, that as a mandatory defence, but because of what the outcome of the first fight, that's that's got that has to be the next fight. Really? Taylor, is right? he taking that fight? Then? Well, Ben Davis has done an interview. And he said that the next fight that Josh wants is the rematch with Jack Catron. That's the next fight, right? Surely it has to be. Because oh, of... no, 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 it's definitely. I mean, we that is the biggest robbery we've seen in British boxing. Big far right. I mean, I, I felt so sorry. I mean, I felt like crying for uh, Jack Cattrall. But if that fight does happen, brilliant. You know, I hope uh, Jack Cattrall gets the win this time. You know, which he surely, definitely deserved from the previous time. Last one before we bring it to an end. Has Tyson Fury retired, or do you think he'll fight again? He's gonna fight again. That's it. I mean, I, I agree with Bellew. He's like, is he really gonna leave the boxing at the top of his game? And there's so many unanswered questions. Yeah, we, you know, people say he's too big, he's too skillful, he's too powerful for uh, Usyk. That Joshua and Usyk fight ha- has to, it's going to happen. It will. July, we're thinking. I'm not, no July, d- but apparently it's going to be pushed back a few weeks. Whenever it will happen, it's, it's okay, okay. Whenever it does happen, you're telling me that Tyson Fury is going to walk away where he's got a chance to take one more fight for all the marbles. And a lot of money as well. Uh, a lot of money. Saudis will pay ridiculous kind of amounts for that. I agree. Um, and you think he's going to deny his fans, his following, that one more night. So let's say the best case scenario is a fight in December. It could happen. I honestly think... That would be the uh, highest grossing, most viewed paper, you know, pay-per-view event. Fury Joshua has to make it to be the biggest fight of all time. Hands down, hands down. I do think I think he's done with boxing. I don't think he's fighting again. Absolutely not, because one, we've had no announcement on Joshua versus. But WBC have said they're going to give him the time time to make that decision. They're not going to rush him. And obviously, I don't think he fights again. Uh, And speaking of the WBC, they said if Tyson Fury does vacate, they would like to make a tournament. For a new WBC champion to be crowned, and they said, well, that, like a Muhammad Ali kind of tournament. Yeah, they said that they would have Deontay Wilder in there, they'd have Dillian White in there, there'd be a few more names in there. Andy Ruiz was a name mentioned, I believe. Joseph Parker, Joe Joyce were. I I would really be up for that, but at the same time, I mean, this tournament would take two years to have an overall champion, right? Two years, you get great fights, though. That's it. I'm, I'm in favour of that. None of this bullshit. Oh no, we can't make the match. No, you're obligated to fight. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know how they decide on who gets You know what the icing on the cake in all this is, right, is I guarantee you what I could see happening, right, is it wouldn't surprise me if Tyson Fury did retire and just come back and won all the belts again. (laughs) Because I, 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 and I honestly believe he doesn't see any heavyweight day right now that he sees as as a threat or a challenge. So what does he do to sort of challenge himself alright do you know what I'll retire in two years so I'm going to come back I'll give you guys again. a chance to catch up with me yeah <laughs> it's like you said in that um, it's like you said in that comeback press conference that we went to and one of the guys goes um, have you got a message for any of the other weights because good luck guys you're all on notice I just that's the kind of guy he is mm. I wouldn't surprise me he took a year or two out of the ring and he just like one day saw it he's still back. training though he's still in the gym still which keeps is good. looking over which is good but I think that's his way of life now rather than 
kind of drinking his sorrows away yeah. and you know what I mean he's made some changes if he does retire at some point surely can't Ron come on man what is he 33 Ron the, look you again did it this is where you're all over the gaff I know I've said it before but what's there to prove the undisputed he, having all the, undisputed. the he's won all man. the belts Ron no but having them all in one go removing that question who's you know all right, we know he's the number one. I mean, even Eddie Anderson could admit that. Usyk's number two. Mm-hmm. But why not, of your era, fight these other guys? That's what, Listen, that's what the difference I, I is of, of the, Ali, the Larry I wanna, Holmes, I wanna see the, fight. the Mike Tyson, I the Lennox Lewis's. What do they do? They fought everyone in that they... I would love to see him fight Joshua. I'd love okay. to see him fight Usyk. But if he doesn't, if that guy that has retired... That would be the missing piece from his legacy. If that guy, listen, if that guy's retired, okay... And he has walked away from the sport. Then you know what? Hats off to him because yeah. at the end of the day, nobody was giving this guy a prayer, uh, you know, a hope when he was trying to come back into boxing. Nobody ever, apart that. from me, totally get apart that. Yeah. from me, nobody ever believed that he'd become a world champion. Apart from me, nobody ever believed that he will knock out Deontay Wilder, and nobody ever believed that he was capable of becoming a bigger name than Anthony Joshua, not just in Britain, but also in America. And let's remember one thing. The guy has become an ambassador for mental health. He's gone and done it in WWE. He's gone and done it in America. He is a bigger name in America right now than any other heavyweight, probably any other boxer from any weight. Okay, If he retires, right? if he is done from the sport, hats off to him, phenomenal career for me, the best heavyweight since Muhammad Ali. Tremendous fighter. Go and enjoy your life. Because okay. The... All right. That's, you make some very valid points. Is right? this okay, yeah, yeah. Now, Let yeah. me give you a football okay. analogy kind of comparison. Right. Right. Liverpool's had an amazing season, right? A phenomenal okay, season. Okay. So, right. Just imagine it gets to 37 games. How would you feel if Klopp said to his boys, you know what? Don't worry about it. Just... But that's not going to happen no, 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 no. I'm just saying. like, Ruff, Because you that's you a poor comparison. The Premiership title, oh. right? Like, just hear, hear me out here, yeah? That's where Tyson Fury's at. Ron, He's going to play no, that one more game. No, Ron. No, Ron, the, Ron, you can't. Jurgen Klopp, right? <laughs> if he ever said something like that, I personally go to Liverpool to sack him myself. Yeah. That's not how it works in football. <laughs> All right. Okay. You, I mean, I'm, you see no, what Ron, the comparison I'm trying to make that he can have. Ron, would I love to see him fight Anthony Joshua? Yes, thank you. That's it. That's all we need to know. Of course, but at the end of the day, if he doesn't, he doesn't. But they they, they make that comparison. Like, look, Lennox Lewis, who did he fight? He fought everyone around to cement that legacy that he was the greatest of his generation. Okay. I do believe that Tyson Fury is the greatest of it. But if he takes that one more fight against Usyk, against Joshua. Yeah, but you know what? Here's the thing, though, Rondo. This is, this is what you people fans don't realise, yeah? Okay. Let's say Usyk beats Joshua. Yep. Okay? And then Fury fights Usyk and beats him, becomes undisputed champion, and then retires. People are going to turn around and be like, well, hold on a second, he never fought Joshua. It's just like, it's kind of like, you're just going backwards and forwards. I'll, I'll use a football comparison. It's kind of like England winning the World Cup and beating... I don't know, Colombia, Sweden, France, and Germany on their route to the World Cup. But then a fan could be like, well, you never beat Brazil, or you never beat mm. Holland, or you never... You only can be... Where we what's in front of you? you? And he has been. Yeah. He's beaten the most dangerous puncher in yeah. the history of the heavyweight division, and he's beaten probably one of the greatest heavyweights in our era that nobody could do. What was it? 11 years undefeated. Mm. And not just beat him, he schooled him. Mm. He's done it in America. He's done it on 
you know, WWE reality TV ambassador for mental health. He's sold out Wembley to another level. Don't look at what he's done inside the ring. Look at outside the ring. What he's achieved. Get that look. I'm just talking. I'm, I'm just only commenting as a, in a boxing sense. Like you've done 95% of the season, play that last game, oh. and then you can. You'll soar so high. Nothing. No one's going to even be able to touch you. I think this yeah. is where I need to give you a uh, 45 and say thank you for <laughs> thank you for the memories. But it's time to go. <laughs> All right, okay, look, listen, we, I'd love to debate about it all day long, but, yep. you know, we're going to have to bring the podcast to an end. Thank you very much, mate. Cool. Don't take offence to the you're all over the gaff comments. You do. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, thank you very much for listening and watching our podcast this week. And before we do bring it to an end, please make sure you hit that subscribe button if you haven't already. Hit that bell for further future Lights Out Boxing content. Check us out on all the social media platforms if you want some legal advice. We're sponsored by the best legal law firm company in the world in Spartans Law. Their details are below in the description. Give him a follow on social media as well so he can stop harassing me when I put a post up on my Instagram and taking a mick out of my Liverpool photographs and everything. Am I joking? But guys, thank you very much. And again, if you want to listen to this podcast on any of the audio platforms, links are below in the description. Thank you for listening to Podcast 53 of the Lights Out Boxing Podcast.